0: Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Sadwood Podcast, the podcast where you listen to someone you don't care about, talk about things you don't care about, but you really do care about the person who's talking, so in turn, you care about what I'm talking about. And today, our topic is going to be space and all the limitless possibilities that it brings to the human race. Um, I guess to start, we'll talk about what space means to me. Um, Space is basically, it's limitless. There's no... And to what could be out there. There could be another planet that took the exact same path as us. And they're at the exact same point of us in time. There might be another planet where someone's talking about the exact same thing I'm talking about right now. It's also full of many wonders. All the beautiful constellations and galaxies that are out there. All the beautiful planets and life that could be out there. And then, in our own little microscopic speck in the vast expanse that is outer space, there's our universe, the place where we have made home, the place where we are free to do as we please, the place where we have our own little isolated corner of the galaxies of the vast expanse that is the universe. Uh, I guess the next thing we will talk about is galaxies. Uh, galaxies are very fascinating. They're all, they're all very, you could say, beautiful. And there's just immense amounts of combinations that you could have. There's immense amount. Of planets and stars, all of different shapes, sizes, and colors that could hold many different things. And another thing is that there could be more life out there, and you could wonder what they believe in. You know, if they have, they have religions just like we do. If they're laws of physics are the same as us. If they think there's more life out there, if they already know we're out here. I guess at that point you just sort of have to sometimes just lay back on the cool grass on a cool summer night and just look up at the stars and wonder is somebody out there looking right back at me. That's a very fascinating thing to think about because you with all the possibilities that are out there, it's almost definite that there's going to be someone out there looking back at you. It's highly improbable that there's not somebody out there. It's the same thing that on Earth. You could say, I wonder if somebody else is looking up at the, at the stars the exact same way that I am right now. With all the people on the Earth, it's almost 99% guaranteed that you're looking at someone well someone else is looking up at the stars just like you are and then you have basically our little corner which is our universe you have the seven planets and our sun Alpha Centauri that sends the warmth down on all of us So now, we've been limited for many, many years in terms of our exploration outside the planet. The farthest we've gone with a human is the moon. But now, with a lot of companies like SpaceX, and who are really putting a focus on reusability and the economic part of expanding the human race's footprint into space. Now we have bigger and better possibilities. For example, we have Mars. Now the Mars mission is a very highly polarizing topic. There's people who say that it is necessary for the advancement of humankind and then there's other people who say it's a waste of money and time and human life because they say it would be impossible to be on that planet. Personally, I'm sort of stuck in the middle ground. I don't think we know enough to be going out there yet. We barely know what's going on on this planet. We haven't even seen the bottom of the ocean with our own eyes. Sure, we've had sonar scans that show the depths and all, but we haven't had any, like, submarines or cameras go down and really see what's at the bottom of the ocean, and we don't know what's down there. There could be something that's waiting on Mars that's also waiting in our ocean, and we just don't know because we haven't seen it yet. I think that's a very big question to be considered when thinking about if it's worth it to go and send a group of people on a very dangerous mission to a uh, uh, almost completely unknown planet to man when so many things could go wrong that could cause a great deal of loss in terms of human life, technology, money, and you just sort of have to consider the position we're in as a species right now. We're not very we have bigger fish to fry is what I'm trying to say. We should be focused more on what's going on on our planet more than what's going on in outer space. I guess a reasonable first step would be a uh, a moon base and try to learn more about the moon because I think it's been... It's definitely been over 10 years since we've been back to the moon. And yet, we still don't know a lot about it. I mean, for God's sake, we have people who think the Earth is flat, but the moon is round. So, you sort of have to... Baby steps, I guess is a good way to put it. Take baby steps. Start with the moon before going all the way to Mars. You know work out any kinks with you know like colonizing a planet before actually going for the big thing because you could have a lot more fail safes with a moon base than with a mars base because it's going to take over a year to get to mars but we can be in We probably now we can be to the moon and back within a couple days well not a couple days probably a couple weeks you know and get some very useful information with that and then on the other end you have people who say that it is necessary for us to expand off our planet onto other planets for the simple fact that eventually this planet will be overcrowded There won't be enough. There won't be enough of anything to be able to sustain us, so we need to take that next step and get off to another planet. And most people think that next planet is Mars because it has. You could say it's the most similar in our universe to Earth, so. And then you could say that, you know, it's not as expensive as it used to be, because I'm sure the Apollo program just by itself probably cost trillions and trillions of dollars, but now with companies like SpaceX, who are really focusing on reusing rockets, you know, you could... You could say that it's become more feasible because it, now it's not—it's not a government program. It's more—it's private companies sort of pioneering the way towards that next step, which is colonizing space. And you also have—you also have to ask the question: that, You know, what if we're wrong about Mars? What if it's not habitable? You know, science makes mistakes, but is it really worth sacrificing human life to find out? Like I said, it's baby steps right before sending a human, send like, a different species, like a dog or a monkey or something, you know. I mean, this is all just my personal opinion, you can feel however you want about this stuff, but I try to think very logically about these things. And you still have to consider how much this mission is going to cost, even if they do use reusable rockets. So you have to consider It's probably still gonna crossed Well over a trillion dollars In terms of supplies, fuel Building the rockets Communications arrays All that Then you also have to consider You know What if something goes wrong Like Like what if during the The I guess you could say The trip To Mars Something goes wrong Like there's a leak in the airlock on the spaceship and then the vacuum of space starts taking all the oxygen out and it becomes depressurized. I mean, is it really worth it losing those lives? How many times would we sacrifice those lives for the sake of human advancement? So I guess you have to say, you know, it's a big risk. To sort of take this big leap that they're planning on taking instead of trying a baby step like the moon, as I was saying. Another thing is, you know, people are saying that Mars is the next planet, but, you know, either way Mars is gonna go the same way as Earth eventually, either by the sun exploding or by something else, maybe you go the same cycle as Earth did, like, like how we're, I guess you could say we're on a destructive path with our planet, and it's, an action is urgent to be taken, what planet could be next, you could ask, but, you know, there's really no other planet that you could really... There's no other planet that you could really colonize and, you know, have a sustainable, comfortable life on even though Mars in itself is probably not going to be comfortable for a very, very long time, if ever. If it ever even happens, there's still possibilities that it might never happen. Um... You know, like, unless there's... we make major steps and different sorts of technologies like heat shields, uh, temperature controlling, weather predicting, weather resistance, then, you know, in that case, if we do make those advancements, then planets like Mercury and Venus would sort of be on the radar in a very, very distant future. It's still, we still have a long way to go before we even think about that. Like, for Mercury, it's it's incredibly hot, it, because it's so close to the sun, it's incredibly hot during the day, but it's also very cold during the night, so you have to be very, you have to have a flexible heat shield, and then you have to have very good insulation, so, you know, maybe something like, something that lets little bits of heat in during the day, and then it sort of insulates it, and then, as that heat wears down hopefully you know they'll have something that as the heat sort of gradually fades out you have your insulation but then once it's sunny again it's it's like an endless cycle so you get natural heat without having to use any uh sort of gas you could say or some sort and if we make uh Advancements with uh weather resistance and such and uh, Venus becomes on the map, you have to have another thing you have to be able to resist the the lightning storms on Venus caused by the rampant greenhouse effect and Venus is also very hot, so you also have to make that advancement in the heat protection and the insulation and then I mean I'm not even sure if it's possible to land on Jupiter. And then you have Neptune, which is, I believe that's the water planet. Yeah, it's definitely the planet that's, like, made of mostly water. That planet is just a frozen wasteland. There's probably really nothing there. It's probably not possible to sustain life on there. And, again, unless we have a very efficient way of heating and insulating. And then even then, it would, probably wouldn't be possible to go outside with with any real, foreseeable mobility using that insulation, They probably look like the one kid from the Christmas story, I can't remember his name, where he's complaining that he can't put his arms down. But you also have to ask the question, what's out there, you know? Could Could there be cures for diseases? You know, could there be new Materials, elements that could hold secrets to various human mysteries that we haven't been able to solve. Maybe something out there holds the secret to eternal life, or maybe there's something that, you know, maybe in the quest to explore space, we find the meaning of life itself. But you have to, you also have to ask, you know, who else is out there. If there's any other civilizations out there, you know, you have to ask how intelligent are they, are they going to be dangerous, are they going to be similar to us, are they going to help us, are they going to fight us, are they going to be xenophobic, you know, you have to ask these questions when you think about exploring space because If we come into contact with another race that is xenophobic, and they're more advanced than us, then the human race, as we know it, could very well be entirely wiped out within a day. But, you know, then there's also the possibility that there's civilizations out there that would be very willing to help us advance, and there's many people that already think that this has happened in terms of the ancient Egyptians and the pyramids, but I'll leave you to decide that one. We're gonna stick with the theory that, you know, the Egyptians were just fucking awesome at everything. And they built the pyramids by themselves. Y'all said that. And then, you know, what if there's cures for diseases? Like, what if one day we figured out that it is possible to cure a virus? You know, right now, As humans, it is going to be impossible for the remainder of our time. What if one day we can cure AIDS? What if one day we can cure cancer at the first sign of it with just a simple pop of a pill and a quick drink of water and your cancer cell is instantly demolished? You also have to ask, you know, what elements are out there, could there be an indestructible metal, tougher than diamond, you know, could there be something that exceeds the speed of light in terms of how light, like, could we make a fuel and generate enough power from something that we could push an object past the speed of light. Could we break our own laws of physics that have been a staple of our civilization for thousands of years? Can could, there, could the secret to that be out there? And then you also have to ask, you know, is the secret to eternal life out there? Could there be a magical, you know, plant on a distant planet far, far away that stops the progress of the human body and age and and at a certain point you once you reach your peak and you're not gonna grow anymore, you know, you take it and you're you're at your peak performance for the rest of your life and you never you never hit that downhill slum after twenty five or whenever it is. and yeah, you sorta of just stay in a staying in stasis and never really change you know and then it on that note you know you have to consider like oh then people aren't gonna die so you know that's really gonna have you're really gonna have to have a lot more space which is another reason why some people think that we should have a colony on Mars because you know as as it it is right now at the birth versus death rate the Earth is. Becoming populated faster than it's depopulating, and you know, there's not really anything going on that's really causing anything to shrink the population, as in like a natural population thin or like serious weather events. You know, viruses, epidemics. You know, wars. There's really nothing like that going on. There's very small little things going around. There was uh, the Ebola scare in back in I think it was 2014 that sort of that had the potential to be one of the things that you know thinned out the population of Earth a little bit you know it could have possibly caused the very the Earth's population to drop quite dramatically but you know with all the health technology all the you know improvements in medical science and containment and Sterilization and all that—it makes it very hard for a disease to spread, but it can also spread very easily if you're not careful. But I was, that's getting a little off topic. But you know, at this rate, the Earth is being populated much faster than it's losing people. You know, so there—I guess you could say—action needs to be taken soon, or you know, eventually. You won't be able to see any more green on earth because there will be such a demand for housing that there just won't be any more space for forest or nature. I guess you could say that, you know, spaces are becoming our new backyard forest that we used to have. More and more people are having more and more information about it, you know, and... Who knows? Maybe in a couple hundred years, you know, some a middle class person might be able to take a trip to space land, you know, and ride a roller coaster in zero gravity and just, you know, experience that feeling. But right now, it's reserved for governments, private companies, and very rich people. But that may that with all the advancements in reusability. And you know, other various physic, physics, physics-related science and orbital mechanics. Who knows? Maybe, maybe at a certain point, you can just strap a jetpack on your back, put a helmet like a fishbowl in your head, and just you know fly yourself into orbit and just relax in the dead silent vacuum that is space. My my Alexa just turned on and I don't know why I didn't say the wake up word, I am, I am personally, uh, very frightened that there is a ghost in my room, alright, so, um, you also have to, um, take into consideration, you know, the wonders that it brings, you know, you know, has it changed over the years now that we're getting more information? You know, has it, are more people starting to, you know, really think about what's out there now versus back in, say, the 40s when really not much was known about space? You know, so that's another thing with that. And you also have to take into consideration you know, there's a lot more, uh, there's a lot more accessible knowledge now, you know, a kid, a kid can go on YouTube and look up a video on how, on the physics behind flying to, to the moon or something. And, you know, that might inspire that kid to become an engineer and become part of the mission that flies to other planets because of that one video. You know, there's still, there's still a sense of wonder that Space brings. you just have to... You have to question, really, how much is that going to change over the years, you know. Could this just be a temporary thing where, you know, there's a big spike in it. You know, more people becoming engineers, astrophysicists, you know, astronomers. Is that eventually going to all die out? And then just left to a very select few who really accelerate in that field because there's nobody else in that field so they feel more motivated to do that work. We'll eventually we'll just come to a standstill on our knowledge about space and sort of are we gonna expand, you know, like you know, like say like after we get on Mars, you know, we just sort of say, Alright, fuck it, you know, that's it, we're done. We did that. It's a wrap. Regroup next week. Alright, we're gonna keep going. Are we gonna eventually follow the path that the uh, uh, Europe, uh, what was that one called? The Voyager one, I think it was. Yeah, the Voyager one, the the satellite that got sent like all the way out of our galaxy. You know that? Are we eventually gonna follow the path that that satellite took and escape the bound? The boundary of gravity that is held by sun are we gonna fly out past the far planets, jupiter and neptune and uranus pluto you know if depending on if you consider pluto a planet i do are we eventually gonna escape that boundary are we gonna colonize all the planets are we gonna have orbital stations that you know are sending incredibly detailed information back to earth every single day are we gonna eventually land on uh, the other solar systems out there? Are we gonna discover new elements, new stars? Are we gonna are we gonna discover new forms of life? Are we gonna discover new planets? Are we gonna discover new really? Are we are we gonna could we discover a whole new brand of physics that? really just destroys our understanding of it, you know, are we gonna have, are we gonna come into contact with another civilization that says the physics you've been doing is all wrong, everything, all the hard work that every scientist has ever done ever is all thrown out the window because it's all been wrong, it's all been, it's all been mistaken, you know. Like, what if some, like, for example, the speed of light, we say nothing can break the speed of light. If that happens, it would just, you know, we don't really know what would happen. There's only been theories because it's never been able to be done. And it, You know, as our current is taking a standing, it probably will never be done. So you have to really <laughs> consider the fact that, you know, What if, like, we come to contact with a distant alien civilization that has a ship that its slowest speed is the speed of light, you know, and it only just goes up from there. It's another interesting thing with outer space. it Was very interesting concept. It was a. It was kind of done in different movies, I don't remember what they were called, but they had cryopods where, and then the ship would accelerate to the speed of light and, you know at while that was happening, they entered the stasis and then they entered the speed of light, which sped up time by probably thousands of years so, you have to really consider, you know like, what if that happens one time and, you know, somebody comes back from, let's say, 2032 and they come back in 3052 and, you know, they have to become reacclimated to all the facets, fa- fa- facets of life. I don't know why I couldn't say that. They have to become reacclimated to all the facets of life and all the new things that have come out. You know, what if in 2032 we have flying cars and then in 30, 3052 we have just, you know, you think I want to be in Paris right now. And you just you close your eyes, you blink, and you're sitting at a cafe in Paris splitting a croissant with the one that you love the most. And you know, and then, very interesting concept that is that I heard from uh, my favorite science person, Neil deGrasse Tyson. He's the man I love. You know, I love him. You have to really consider the light from our sun when we see it is around eight minutes old. So, when you look up in the sky, all those, I mean, think about how big the sun is and then how small all those stars are. And then think about how far away the sun is. And then think about how f- far away those stars are. You know. And for the sun, it's like to be eight minutes old when it reaches here. You know, there are stars up in the sky that are probably dead, and then there's stars that, you know, us as, as, as a species will probably never see because there just won't be enough time for that light to reach us. We'll probably, you know, eventually when we go extinct, there'll probably be stars that, you know, haven't even had enough time to become known to us. and you know, there was I guess let's go back to the beginning you know, before we had rockets, before we knew, you know uh, how the earth revolved around the sun and all the other planets revolved around the sun and not the other way around you know think about how you know it all started with one man who had the courage to think outside of the normal standards that were at the time it all started with Copernicus saying that you know the earth orbited around the sun not the sun around the earth and then from there it sort of that was sort of the base of our understanding there was you know there were civilizations that civilizations that map the stars and all, but, you know, that was really the base plate of what really pushed us to understand more about what's out there, you know, then you had the guy who was burned at the stake during the Spanish Inquisition, I think it was, for saying that the universe was limitless, you know, the church was, you know, a little bit more forgiving to Copernicus only giving him house arrest for the rest of his life but they burned this man at the stake for attempting to help further you know the the human civilization's understanding of what's out there and that's uh, that's also a very big topic about what goes on Sorry, around. I'm not sure Alexa shut the fuck up no one was talking to you. Alright. Like I was saying before, I was really interrupted. You know. You have to consider, like, is there stuff that the government already knows but they don't want us to know because they're afraid because of it that they'll lose control and, you know, mayhem will break loose because I'm sure at the time when Copernicus said, you know, the son has, is the center of our galaxy, and not the earth, I'm sure there's people who are like, holy shit, that's crazy, let's go flip some shit, and I'm sure the church wasn't happy about that, because the church wanted, the church really, it wanted power, it wanted control, it wanted to keep its control over the people, it wanted to keep them under their thumb, and that sort of, you know, it cheesed them off. Is a very light way to say it. So, you know, now you have people nowadays that say, you know, the government already knows about aliens, you know. And they're just not telling us because they don't, they just don't want to admit it. There's, They're afraid of the consequences that will ensue if they do admit it. But there's people who say that the CIA had... John Kennedy assassinated because he wanted to know what was going on with all the, you know, UFO projects and the reverse engineering and, you know, Area 51 type stuff. And then, you know, you also, like I I said, you have Area 51, which, you know, even some top government officials won't ever see the inside of because you need an extreme amount of clearance to be able to even get close to that place it's a no-fly zone getting near it it says trespassers will be shot and I'm sure there's been people who have been able to get inside but we don't know about it because they were found out and they were uh, you know shut you know shut up and you know sorta gotten rid of and isolated like I'm sure That there's a person somewhere that got into area 51 and then you know got caught and now is on an island somewhere with no way of talking to anybody except who's on that island you know they don't he doesn't he has no way to sort of express what he saw to different people and then yeah the men in black who are very closely associated with area 51 and the cia who sort of They're thought to deal with aliens from outer space and so on and so forth. And then you have the Roswell incident, which is believed to be a UFO crash. You know, the government claims that it was a uh, weather balloon. You know, there was, there's still a bit of controversy over that. You know, so it's like, you have to really think about like, with all the limitless possibilities in outer space what is the po- like what is the chance that we are the only intelligent civilization out there and what is the possibility that we are the only civilization who has this who has gone this far in terms of technology you know it's it's a very low probability that you know we even got like you know, half of what some of these uh civilizations have. There's probably plenty of more civilizations that are way more advanced than us and, you know, could wipe us out in an instant and, you know, they probably already know we're here and, you know, they sort of just left us alone because there's really nothing for them to that they won from us, and, you know, it wouldn't be worth the, I guess you could say the effort to, you know, wipe us out. If I say, you know, one more time, I, I give you legal permission to clap my cheeks. Um, I guess back to the exploration thing, too, is like, you know how how are we as a uh, civilization or race or whatever you want to call it a species gonna react when we see, when we come into these encounters with these other civilizations? we can't do anything about how they're gonna react we can't control that so we might as well just stop thinking about that, but we have to figure out how we're going to deal with it. We have to figure out, you know, are we going to be, are we going to be nice to them? Are we going to try to sort of integrate them and educate them in our society, in our ways, and sort of try to learn about theirs while also introducing them to ours? Or are we going to sort of Adopt, like, almost a 16, like, 15, 1600s colonization where we come in and, like, you know, this is ours now. And they're just like, nah, chief, that ain't it. This is ours. And he's like, and, you know, Captain Maurice Morticus of the USS whatever landing on another planet was like, you know. I don't know about that one, Chief, because I already called my backup and they're going to be here. You know, are we going to sort of treat them like we did with Natives and African-Americans? Well, not African-Americans, but Africans. Are we going to... Is it going to... Could it be like another... Could it, could it be a repeat of the history of our world, you know? Could it be another... Another time where we're trading with someone and then a middleman sort of, you know, takes over and taxes us a lot. And then we find another way around. And in that that process, we find new things, new places. Could it be another situation like that? Could we have a, a repeat of the history of our galaxy, you know? Could it happen? We just don't know. There's just so many possibilities and things that could happen during that time. And you have to really just think about what are the risks, what are the consequences, what are the benefits from it, is it really worth it? Is it really worth it to go to Mars and find out what's there? Is it really worth it? to go outside of our solar system and find out what's out there. Could it be dangerous? Could it be the end of our race? Could it be the thing that takes our race to the space age, to the next step, to you know, having flying cars and tubes that just fly you all around, to having buildings that can hang from the atmosphere? Could it be the secret to unlocking a clean power could it be the secret to unlocking the secret to eternal life and then being able to send an eighty eight year old to space forever and, you know, he doesn't have to worry about time constraints, he just has he just has to take care of himself and, you know, eat. So Oh, well, I think that covers just about everything I want to talk about today. So I hope you enjoyed this podcast. If you enjoyed it, share it with all your friends. Share it with your with your mom. Share it with your cousin that you know you see at all your family reunions, and you show them a cool video, and you sort of just sit in the corner with them and just laugh about stuff that nobody knows what you're talking about, but you know they're just your favorite cousin. You only see them at family events. And, I know this episode was a little bit shorter, so please forgive me. Uh, Alexa, this is so sad. Play Despacito. Um, I'm sorry if... Here's a sample of Despacito by Erica Ender on Amazon Music. Alexa, stop. I'm sorry if that made you cringe until your body turned inside out. But anyway, I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, please share it with everybody you know. And give it a thumbs up and subscribe to the podcast because there's plenty more where this came from. This has been Sad Boy Podcast and I will see you all next time.